Your mic is muted, Jeremy. <laughs> hey guys, what's up? It's Zemet here with Cartel Aristocrats Finance Cast number 54. We would like to thank our sponsors, Gathering Magic and CoolStuffInc.com, who have muted us with gift certificates to give away. With free shipping on orders of $100 or more, a 25% buy list bonus, and their ever-popular customer rewards program, Cool Stuff Inc. is the store for all your Magic the Gathering needs. If you've ever been to a Grand Prix and seen any of us, we might be at Cool Stuff Inc. losing tons of money uh, opening packs. Definitely Ed and I. So we'd like to thank them for sponsoring our cast. I'm joined this week, of course, by Travis Allen, Jim Caselli, and Ed Wynn. All of Cartel Aristocrats. If you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves and talk about what exactly you're drinking for the recording of this cast. So you introduced us and now we have to introduce ourselves? Yep. That's I'm exactly just... what happened. And and we all lost all of our jobs. We not we're not of anything. We're just our just people. It's a tough week. I'm Travis Allen, Wizard Bumpin' on Twitter, and this week I have uh Weyerbacher's Sinsanity. It's a 13.5% barley wine, ale aged in bourbon barrels with cinnamon, and I am uh, very pleased with how it tastes. I'm also halfway through the bottle. I am Jim Casal, and I am drinking uh, Purple Haze right now. Um, I don't know. It's just a reasonable beer that's not too expensive and not too fancy. Uh, Edward Gwynn. You guys follow me on Twitter, edwin 13 I'm sitting at... Uh, villa in southern Italy. Just kidding. I'm actually in Portland, Oregon. Uh, drinking Stumptown. Portland's one of Portland's finest coffees. You could ever come to Portland, would recommend. And I'm Zemet Sells Magic, and I am classily drinking a Old Russian Imperial Stout in a Starbucks glass. Old Russian isn't bad, but I mean, really, thank you. You, you know, Travis stuff. actually appreciated what I'm drinking for once. It's like the best thing in the world that we get along. And if you're coming to Vegas, there will be plenty of beers to try with the entire cast, as long as you pay for it. Uh, yeah, I will take a moment to recommend uh, tacos and beer just down the street from the convention center. It's like a quarter of a mile, half a mile. It sounds extremely generic, just tacos and beer. But when we drank there, it went there. It was awesome last time. But of course, let's get down to what really matters. Uh, if you've been a long-time listener beer? of Cartel Aristocrats, you know, even in the last two to three months, even uh, you know, just listening to this cast on and off on how to make money, and you came out of this weekend with your head even somewhat out of your butt when it came to prices, we made all of our listeners a ton of money. We turned those little bulkers that were hiding in your closet into just a stream of liquidity and free money. Um, I'm pretty sure almost everyone on the cast called a card that had spiked at the Pro Tour. Um, so yeah, you're welcome for the free money. Uh, turns out that Ed doesn't know what he's doing, and when Jim throws enough darts at a wall, it works eventually. Uh, zombies went up, new perspectives went up, Sphinx of the Final Word went up. Like, If you look at our spreadsheet, we've called almost everything that went up for this Pro Tour. So a heavy patting ourselves on the back is needed. Um, and if you're listening now from Gathering Magic, our sponsor, uh, you might want to listen to this entire cast because we will be giving away some store credit for Cool Stuff Inc. later in this cast if you guys want to listen the entire time. So, you know, we made you guys some money. Why not stick around for some more free stuff? Uh, so let's get into the Pro Tour. Uh, Travis, I know you... Uh, 
you had an incident the day before the Pro Tour on trying to buy out a car. Do you want to talk about uh, what exactly that was? I don't know if I'd call it an incident, nor do I think it would be wise to discuss the details of that on air. But I did end up with a stack of new perspectives, just like I talked about on somewhere. Talked about it, wrote about it. I think it was this cast I talked about. It. I don't know. Uh, did really well. Immediately at the start of the Pro Tour, sold like five or six, seven, seven play sets. Uh, like on round one of standard because somebody was playing new perspectives and it jumped to like 375 and I managed to get a play set out or a place a place that's out, but uh, it's really slowed down. So I will probably take the rest of the stack. I'm thinking the Vegas, I'm going to see what by lists are ahead of time. Cause I sold, I picked about 80 copies. I think I sold through a third to half of them and I'm going to bring in, hopefully just buy list them for basically what I paid maybe a little bit more. Um, but you know, the, the place that I did sell were enough to, uh, to make some profit. So I'm not, not unhappy with how it went. Um, and I had picked up some Aetherworks marbles too. And I didn't realize how many I have floating around. So um, that was also a good one that's been talked about on, I think on this cast, there's no way we haven't talked about Aetherworks marbles. So I believe Jim has called it twice in the last two years that we've been recording and Ed has called it once. It's definitely been a marvelous pickup for anyone who listens to our cast. Uh, yeah. And what's interesting about that aside is it spikes after this pro tour, right? But that card was printed in Kaladesh. So we have an entire year of half of legality left for that card. So you sell it now into the pro tour spike then by like August, it has dropped to two or three bucks again. You can buy them up again and then sell them in October when the deck is still good as long as they don't ban it. So you might be able to get in on the rare triple dip on Aetherworks Marvel if you got in on the first one and this Pro Tour. That is might exactly be- what I was going to say. The, if you look at the Aetherworks Marvel price graph, it's pretty much the exact same as Torrential Gear Hulk, where it's really popular for a weekend, spikes really hard, and then just falls off for the next month and a half and then it's back up to the price that it was when you last sold it. Uh, my biggest problem with Aetherworks Marvel is I think all the good targets are going to rotate. Like obviously like Emrakul was the nut to have it the first time around. Um, obviously Emrakul is banned. Ulamog is like now the prime target and then with battle block rotating I think we're kind of in a crappy spot in terms of what you can actually flip off of uh, Aetherworks Marvel. I guess the thing that makes Aetherworks Marvel so particularly attractive is that the deck plays more like a mid-range deck. It has a, like a really sweet combo switch. Sometimes you just have the very fast, like a tune with Aether, Puzzle Knot, ways to get Aetherworks Marvel turn for Ulamog, and you just win the game. But you can still play like the, the version where you have like Rogue Refiners, you have a very mid-range oriented strategy, and then they have to, you can grind your way through it, like with Chandra and whatnot. And then you randomly just play Aetherworks Marvel. You can spin the wheel and you still win the game. And eventually, if the game continues to go on, you will just cast it with Ulamog, so you will invariably draw. You're completely correct that we are going to lose Ulamog in the fall. The, I guess what we've seen with this Pro Tour is that you only need one really good target. Even with Emrakul Band, all you need is Ulamog, and the deck is still playable as long as you have some stuff at like 5, 6-ish that's a decent support that you can still cast off Marvel that's not awful. So as long as this Nicol Bolas isn't terrible, like as long as Nicol Bolas is reasonable off of this, then you're in business. And you also get all of what gets printed in Itlazan uh, or whatever it is. Um, so you've got two good shots, two good sets to catch something other than Ulamog out of the next two sets. So maybe we can get there. I mean, if they print a creature that rasts the board when you cast it or something like that, um, that'll be a big big game for Aetherworks. I totally agree. I think that there's even like a strong possibility that just Aetherworks normal decks just continue to be good as value decks because some people even playing them in the Felidar Guardian deck because 
you just energy is so plentiful with the cards that we're used to playing with that the payoff card of Aetherworks Marvel is just very good sometimes if it's just turn your six energy into another spell. It doesn't really matter if you hit Ulamog or not. It just is a lot better when you do. You, you can still play the deck without Ulamogs, and I think that if you look at the deck lists between Pro Tour Kaladesh and, and this Pro Tour, you can see some of the decks that played Aetherworks Marvel but didn't play Ulamog or Immerkal were still su- successful. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree with actually both Jim and Travis here, and I guess Ed, if he can get a word in after missing last week. Um, I do think this is the promised end for Etherworks Marvel's price. It's definitely going to trend back down as uh, people look to out-metagame it. Um, but honestly, something that, ignoring Marvel aside, I think this is when you want to dump zombies, when everything is still like 6 to $7. Um Honestly, like if you look at the price ten of, of that diagraph guy, that's like seven bucks right now from Shadows. It would be a colossal mistake to hold on to and try to seek high, any higher profits. So at this point, it's just better to either uh, buy with them if you were just sitting on a bunch that you got at Bulk Rare when we called them at like seventy-eight cents back in January. But I called it as a casuals uh, card long term. You can buy with these for three to four bucks, or you can just uh, try to undercut everyone and sell them at six or seven dollars on tcg or ebay it's um, a shame that you can't actually manage to give our listeners good advice because you have to be too busy working in terrible puns instead of thinking about what you're saying the night is young travis don't worry um but yeah i think you do what every other finance guy does if you're listening to this cast now it might even be too late but just get that stuff online as fast as possible i sold a uh, 15 sphinx of whatever that thing is for like four and a half bucks on tcg which nets me like three-ish dollars like 275 three-ish dollars after fees and shipping and all that and um like from buying it at a quarter like why would i wait any longer to lock in profits especially for a cyborg card so dump all your stuff rotations coming in three months and don't look back i think we can all agree on that I think Zombies does have a little bit of longevity. I think Zombies is one of those ever-popular tribe uh, tribes. Uh, like, Relentless Dead, obviously, like, has, like, the most to gain. Like, it went from, like, being, like, 3 to $4. That's low to double digits now. Um, but, like, cards like Diagraph Classes, I think, like, this is probably the high it's ever going to be, but I don't think he'll ever probably go back to being, like, truly a bulk rare. Again, just because Zombies is just so ubiquitous and magic uh for for casual so yeah i I completely agree with ed here is that you see a real distinct um trend contrasting combo decks with the sort of tribal easy to play every week decks is aetherworks marvel like you talked about before spikes really hard and then plummets really hard because it's a great like pro tour deck and it gets people excited but showing up to fnm with it week in and week out gets a little dry Whereas Zombies is a type of deck that people who are going to FNM all the time and are in, uh, are really playing a lot more, it's easier to do that week in, week out, and it's a little more interesting. So I completely agree with Ed that Zombies, like, there are classes at its peak, but we're not going to see a drop all the way. Those cards are going to maintain some amount of value because it's going to be persistently popular. Is there anything anyone wants to add on this subject before we move on? No, I think we've beaten it to death. You know, on the Pro Tour topic, in on the whole, at least, um, you know, I've been... What do you guys think about Aetherworks Marble ban here? Uh, do you think that that's still legal in six weeks? 
I don't want to see another card banned. Standard 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 players are like dead. What was that, Jimmy? Sorry, I don't I don't think that this card is necessarily in the realm of needing to be banned. Um, I think it showed up in force at the Pro Tour because some people were just not prepared for it or as prepared as they should have been for it, which is their own fault. But I think there's there's definitely some play to play against those decks, and you can make your deck better at against them. I don't think it's going to be the one deck that takes over the format, although it may be the most successful of them. It had a huge day two conversion, I believe. Like It was really successful. And you, the other thing to consider, though, is that when Wizards is banning cards, they're not just looking at the uh, power level. They're looking at how much fun is this to play Magic. Gideon is way beyond a reasonable power level for standard and probably should have been banned when Felidar Guardian was. Um, even, you know, this Pro Tour, you know, this shook out in the way that it didn't need to be, but only because we saw another card that should have been banned, basically. But Gideon is extremely powerful, but he's not unfun, whereas Aetherworks Marvel is not quite as good, but it's bad magic, essentially. Um, it's not the type of magic that Wizards tends to want to uh, to get us all playing, or at least it's been very unpopular. So, like, it's got that kind of, like, egg syndrome. It's, like, it's kind of about power level, but also because it's miserable. Yeah, well, like I, I, I sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I, I like like I briefly mentioned the. I think the fundamental problem with the deck is that it's not so combo oriented that you can easily hate it out. Like, yeah, you have things like Manglehorn, but like if you're still casting the Ulamog, like your board is still getting wrecked. It's only so long before like you're going to invariably lose a game. The fact that it has a very good mid range strategy, you can play the long game, you can play the short game. Like, is what makes it a little bit more problematic. Um, is it going to be banned? Probably. I don't think it will. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of outcry, like among the pros. A lot of people have said like Aetherworks Marvel. It's like it's very unfun. It's not a good feeling when sometimes they just have like the one, two, three energy production cards, and then they just spin out on turn four and using it will out of the game. But it's, it's also equally fun to just be playing that deck, and then you just have everything go your way, and then you just don't hit on Marvel. So I think it does have the makings of being banned, but I don't think it will be. Okay, I think that's enough uh, Pro Tour talk and standard talk for this week. There are other things that we do need to cover. I had other things to say, whatever. Well, Travis, save it for Fast Finance. Um, so this week slash last weekend... Well, actually, no. Let's start off here. How has everyone's week been? You know, Ed seems a little uh, happier than normal. Uh, I don't know about Jim with the Rangers, and Travis has, of course, exited stage left again. Do you guys sort of want to catch up on where we've all been the last couple weeks? Uh, I've been in Florida buy-listing all of the cards that I have that spiked at the Pro Tour. I don't know. There's not really a whole lot going on. Uh, those who listened to our cast last week, uh, Monday was spent driving back from Ro- Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, I was not in Richmond. I was actually in Roanoke. I was there for Pokemon Regionals. Uh, it was our first real Pokemon event. It was kind of sweet. Spent Monday driving back. Uh, I knew about the cast. I was supposed to be on. I laid down, and then I basically just passed out before we started at 7 p.m. And Travis, of course, has no idea what we're talking about as usual. My week's been okay. Oh, there we go. Uh, so I've got a dilemma that I need you guys to solve live on air. This so, sounds horrible. Yeah. So remember that 
uh, craft beer guy that I've been tweeting about that like I got free beer as long as I sorted for him and he had a giant collection. So I picked that up and it's got a ton of money commons and uncommons. We're talking stacks of Ristic studies, Golgari grave or Golgari thugs, stuff like that. A lot of five to $10 commons and uncommons. And I recently started working with MTG deals where I just ship them boxes of overstock and then they, we work out a number. Obviously that requires a huge level of trust, but it's been working. Um, So I want to get rid of some of this stuff because this collection tied up a lot of inventory. And I know basically my profit margins are good enough for me to make it worth uh, going to a trip that going on a trip this weekend. And due to the general international nature of magic, there's a lot of different places to go this weekend. So I have the opportunity of going to uh, Louisville this weekend for the Star City Open, where there will only be three vendors. GP Montreal, where vendors have to pay the currency conversion, where there's like 15. Or go to South America, where there's like 10 vendors this weekend. So with nothing being booked yet, where should I go? How, how, how could we possibly answer that without running the numbers for you? Well, so just, just stay in Missouri. Don't go anywhere. But yeah, I mean, I wish. Save it so, for Vegas and do it all there. So for people who are trying to go to events to sell cards, should they go to Star City Opens or should they go to Grand Prix? Even if those Grand Prix are international. You should just go to a store and sell your shit. Uh, yeah. That's rude. I mean... That's like, realistically, that's what most people are going to do. Just go to your local game store, and if you have a lot of stuff that you need to sell, work out a price with them. Be like, look, this is how much I can get for it online. Can you meet me somewhere in the middle if their their prices are too low? I mean, not every store is going to be able to do that, but there's some level of... of, If you you have enough stuff, at some point it becomes worthwhile for them to haggle with you. Ed? Uh, I can't speak to going to South America. I've never been to South America, so I don't know what Grand Prix are like are like there. Um, I would say just for being cost efficient, going to Louisville is probably the play. Montreal is pretty far out of the way. It's not a cheap place to fly to. Um, buy lists from what I've noticed have, ten, uh, have tend to be lower at Canadian Grand Prix, mainly because U.S. vendors are there they pay worse than their normal buy list because they have to convert the currency back if they go, which means that they lose like an initial percentage point on top of percentage point or so, like anywhere from one to five, uh, depending on how they convert their money and how they plan on getting it out. So I would probably just go to Louisville. It's probably close. It's close for you. You said it's like three hours away. Yeah, I would probably do that. Is anyone else extremely surprised to see your Ed say that he's never been to South America? He just told us off ca- camera that he's had been working for four weeks in a row every single day, and somehow hasn't ended up in South America. Just seems odd. Apparently, nobody else is surprised by this. No, I think it's just you. Have you ever been to South America? It's pretty Chile. Man, that was not a good pun. <laughs> that was abysmal. <laughs> that was not <that> <laughs> even true. Bad. There was a Brazilian <laughs> other things you could have said. Oh, I already used it on the last cast. You can't copy. Um, so, yeah, I, it's just like a matter of where I want to go and uh, still trying to figure that out like right beforehand. 
Uh, speaking of Grand Prix, basically, if you ha- if you're a listener and you haven't booked Vegas yet, like rates are starting to go up real fast. I had a lot of people message me today uh, locally that are trying to figure out hotel rooms and flights, and it just keeps going up. So you need to get that stuff locked in, especially so you can say hi to us at Vegas, but mainly to get locked in because uh, EDC is going on at the same time, and it's a big festival for those of you who only play Magic. So I would definitely get that done as soon as possible. I don't know where you three are staying, but we'll be in the uh venetian slash westgate so venetian slash westgate yeah both we have rooms in both at the same time or just at the same time one for right off the venue and then one for like actual strip stuff so you thought it was worth paying for two hotel rooms at the same time based on where you ended up each night well so remember i'm staying with like 13 other people with all the we did. I've sent. I've tweeted pics of where we're staying. Like it is a very nice suite. So we needed a room for our luggage. So we decided to put it right next to the venue so that we can grab our luggage and fly to the airport Sunday night. Man, this is like definitely first world problems right here. Yep, it is something. Uh, yeah, Westgate. And for anyone who hasn't booked their room yet, um, if you go to like. <clears throat> like grandprixvegas.com or whatever it is the Channel Fireball's website is, uh, you can book at the Westgate through that URL. It's already um, closed. Oh, did it close? Yeah, that's why everyone's been asking me. Uh, rip. If your parents have timeshares, you can sometimes book through their websites and get deals, but I don't know how much of that there is out there. Okay. And uh, apparently we're doing a cartel dinner um so on on top of a wedding there's like a lot of formal stuff this weekend so wear your finest cargo shorts to the wedding okay wait so hold on so is this a dinner that we're supposed to be doing with people with listeners yes so we've had a number of listeners reach out that are interested in paying a fee to have dinner with us so if you are listening and have not contacted me reach out to us and we'll see what we can do oh are you trying to fleece people no, I'm just saying an hour of my so time confused. is worth something. As a listener, or as one of the co-hosts, I know nothing about this, okay? Uh, Jeremy's yeah, just taking your money and stealing it, guys. That's what yeah. it sounds like to me. I, I have also is, not heard about this. Yeah, all I'm I, saying is Ed put me on this racketeering thing. I mean, no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, like, there, I had tweeted out jokingly, hey, does anyone want to pay money? to have dinner with the cartel guys in Vegas like a week ago. And I got a bunch of messages about it that all said how much. So I don't know how I feel about this anymore. Yeah. The cost of dinner should just be who anyone who can show up, anyone can show up up until we have a party of like 12 or whatever. And then the four of us get to eat for free and our bills just get distributed amongst everyone else. And that's the total cost of it to people like that's it. I want appearance fees. I want no, I'm <laughs> on my flight. <laughs> I all right. So um, so realistically, like logistic wise, like I don't know how many people message you. I also have not heard about this. In case anyone else is wondering, <laughs> this is strictly this is strictly on Jeremy. But like realistically, like I think if like we do want a ton of people, like twelve is like reasonable. Like that's probably fine to get like a table. But there are plenty of places where you can basically reserve like a back room or something if people actually want to listen to us talk or, I don't know, record a live episode or something. Who knows? Talk to Jeremy. Ed, that's not what back rooms are for. 
<laughs> at least not in Vegas. <laughs> That would be that would be interesting if you reserved a back room and then you recorded a live episode. I don't think people care that much. Do they really? I can't imagine people no, actually care that it's much. It's more people want to pick uh, Ed's mind and my mind about stuff. Uh, two of the people that reached out to me were shop owners that are working on changing their uh, system as far as inventory management goes. And one of them actually owns one of the game shops in Vegas. So... It, they're like, hey, how much would it be for a business meeting? And I was right. like, well, oh, definitely charging consulting that. fees. Definitely charging consulting fees. Yeah, as, soon as, you said, as soon as you said business and meeting, definitely charging consulting fees now. Well, then that's why I was saying that. Just like booth girls. Are we just there to look nice? Oh, don't, you don't want to say that on this cast when we're sponsored. You do not want to get into that. All right. Uh, let's change the subject for anyone that cares. Yeah, I will be. I will be subject. So there's a term for guys. You know, sommeliers are wine experts, and there's a term. How for did you just pronounce that? Sommelier. Sommelier. How do you pronounce it? Sommelier. 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 I don't hear it pronounced out loud very often. Nor do I speak French. Sommelier. Uh, but there's one for beer, and that can be my contribution. Okay. A cicerone. Cicerone. That's what it yeah. is. Moving on. Do you guys want to know how to win store credit this week? Jim's here to give you guys the details. All right, guys. So what's going to happen is every week uh, we're going to pick one of the places that you can find our podcast, and we're going to open it up to questions. So if you leave a question in the place that we choose each week, you're basically entered to win store credit in our next cast. So this week we will be uh, looking at questions on the Gathering Magic page that features our podcasts, which if you're listening live will be up tomorrow. If you're listening on Gathering Magic is the place that you're listening to right now. And if you're listening anywhere else, uh, go to Gathering Magic on Tuesday the 16th and it should be up there. Uh, what will happen is if you leave a comment that's a question that we'll answer on the next cast, you'll be entered to win $25 in Cool Stuffing store credit. Uh, next week, we will announce the winner on the cast and then I will try to get in contact with you to get you your code. Am I eligible to win? You are not eligible to win because you are on the cast. It's Neither bullshit. are significant others and close friends for, you know, probably legal reasons. I don't know. I didn't really talk about that, but I feel like I'm you're just making this up. Now. You were absolutely just making this up. <laughs> so where are we putting it this week? This week is going to be on gathering magic. The post should go up tomorrow if you're listening live. If you're not listening live, it should already be up. So, yeah, let's drive web traffic there. Um, and that way, if they get good numbers, they don't have to ask us about why we're charging people to have dinner with sommeliers, as I have been told live that my Missouri way of pronouncing it off of Highway Farty Far is the wrong thing. You know... I have a very interesting comment to make, but out of respect for your wishes, I won't make it, but keep pushing me on it and I will. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but yeah, if you guys want to meet up with the cast at Vegas, um, I'm sure we'll have a time and place on our cartel feed. I remember last time brainstorm brewery slash Travis um, and Doug met up. We just cracked Japanese modern masters packs with Chaz Andres for a while. So that was fun. That was a miserable box, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I got burnt on that box. <laughs> um, so, yeah, 
we've talked about standard. We've talked about the pro tour. We've talked about GP stuff. Ed, you know, you've sort of had a little bit of time to clear your mind. Uh, going into the second half of the year, what are you going to be doing differently than the first half? Not necessarily on specific stuff, but generally like uh, what you're looking to pick up, maybe like more aggressively on like Commander now or scaling back on Modern. Like, is there anything that you're going to be changing or is it same as usual coming up? Um, <clears throat> hmm. Uh, so I guess the sim- the simplest answer is that things are not really going to be changed. The biggest change fundamentally that we're doing is I'm looking at doing more cons. Um, like I'm projecting to be at New York City Comic Con this year, uh, maybe San Diego. It's just expanding beyond Magic. Um, magic is in such a weird spot to me right now. Um, business as usual, like my none of my buying habits have changed, but it's just like it's hard to draw people. It seems like it's you're hard pressed to get people to play magic right now. Standard is in a dubious spot. Like I don't feel standard has necessarily improved. Like we're, we're still looking at the same decks. Like Marvel was decked before the pro tour. Uh, Marty was decked before the pro tour. Zombies obviously is new. Uh, there's obviously some new tools with that, but I think zombies is probably one that, decks that it does well at the pro tour i don't know if it has enough gas in it to kind of keep up that momentum as being a real deck in the format uh modern is kind of a loose spot no one seems to really care about modern there's not like it, it is it unhealthy probably not is death shadow oppressively good probably not does modern kind of suck to play i think so um so like I think just there's just not a lot of reason in like that to be excited about magic right now at least for me personally so my habits haven't really changed but looking at cons I'm definitely starting to look at like just getting into more games that are not magic like Pokemon um, <clears throat> like I did regionals last week in Roanoke Virginia I'll be doing regionals in Madison Wisconsin um, but other than that like I don't really know where magic is at right now and nothing has driven me to be oh i want to make a drastic change it's more more or less just kind of chugging onwards going with the flow and just doing what i'm always doing interesting just curious because um some of the other well-known vendors on twitter are definitely switching to pokemon i know um Paul Fudo and Thomas Dodd of uh, MTG Deals and Card Advantage are saying that, you know, that's what's really keeping them going when EV for standard boxes is $80 a box. Uh, you look at some of the judges trying to clear out their extra shadows of Innistrad, Eldritch Moon, um, Ether Revolt stuff, and it's just not moving as fast as they want because either people don't want to buy the boxes that don't have expeditions in them or... It, the market's just too saturated as a whole with the boxes that uh, do have expeditions. So it's going to be interesting to see where sealed product from especially this year with Masterpieces ends up versus Shadows and Eldrick. Um, so it's just something to keep in mind when you're at your local game shop and you want to impulsively buy a pack. Uh, probably not the best idea. I mean, impulsively buying a pack is never, like, the correct idea, right? Yeah. Buying, buying a pack in general is just not not usually a good idea. Yeah, negative EV. I mean, it does not say you should never do it. Just not the greatest decision. 
understand that you are losing value on that play. You are likely to be losing value. And if you open a good card, do not take that as an indication that you are not. Good point. Um, Jim, is there anything in the realm of Commander that's piqued your interest lately that you might be investing in? Um, not quite yet. I am definitely looking at trends as far as like what tends to get popular as soon as new sets come out. So the thing I'm going to be looking for when the spoiler season for Hour of Devastation starts is like really unique legendary creatures that will force people to try something that they haven't tried before. So um, lessons learned from the last set was like Hapatra is definitely a commander that is a very far... It's far and away very different from a lot of the other green-black commanders that already exist. Most of them have to do with graveyard stuff, like recurring creatures and whatnot, like Marin is one of the more popular ones. Glissa the Traitor also does with creatures in your graveyard. Gerard deals with creatures in your graveyard, just like Savra you know, deals with people with your creatures dying. It's like very much like a reuse, you know, recycle your deck kind of thing. The minus one, minus one counters thing hasn't been around since uh, Lorwyn or Shadowmoor rather. And I don't believe that there are any green, black commanders from that set that care about minus one, minus one counters. I'm pretty sure the only one is Nath of the Guilt Leaf, which cares about discarding cards, which is another theme in that set. But as far as like going forward, I want to like look and see when new legendary creatures are released. How does that impact the color combination as a whole? Like, what makes that card unique, and what cards could go in that deck that are not worth a lot of money? This is a really interesting topic, and because when Hapatra was spoiled, I paid her no mind. I really did not look at her as being a particularly interesting commander. You know, the first line of text says that whenever she deals combat damage to a player, which is not going to happen that often with a commander. So you're you're really working strictly with a second line of text. And I just, you raise a good point that it's a different type of deck than we've seen with other black green legendary creatures. Uh, and maybe it was my own fault for missing it, but I re she really didn't jump out at me as a commander. And that bleeds into this idea that there are, you know, something like between four and 10 legendary creatures every set. And how do you figure out which ones are the ones that make EDH, EDH decks move? Uh, because for instance, we had what is it, Sumatra or whatever her name is, which has been way less impactful. Um, so I guess I'm just kind of in this position where like you see all these new legendary creatures and like, well, none of these look like EDH creatures to me. And then suddenly Hapatra makes eight cards explode. It's like, well, okay. Like how did, how was I supposed to know that that was a legendary creature that was going to do it? Because even as an EDH player, I don't really notice it. Yeah, I think that the other thing is, like, how easy the decks are to build from nothing. Like, how many people are going to come to the same conclusion, because it's very obvious what um, what we're going to be putting in the deck. So, for example, the, the last legendary creature that was, like, pretty much like that, where the deck didn't necessarily build itself, but a lot of people came to the same conclusion. What you're supposed to put in that was Atraxa, which is by far the most successful of the Commander 20, uh, 2016 product commanders because it's a proliferate every turn what do you want to proliferate plus one plus one counters on my guys loyalty counters on my planeswalkers poison counters on my opponents that's pretty much it so the planeswalker cards the infect cards and just cards that deal with counters in general got more expensive for example doubling season because that was just a very easy conclusion to come to like it's possible that temet which is another commander in the set uh, that just came out, the Azorius guy, 
he could be good, but a lot of people don't come to the same conclusion on what you really want to do with him. Like, he does a lot of unique things because he's a commander that you actually want to die and then embalm from your graveyard to make him unblockable, which is literally, like, a kind of, like, odd thing for a blue-white commander deck, but he doesn't have a lot of obvious things that you should put together in a deck to make work. Whereas Hapatra is like, if you put a minus one, minus one counter on a dude, good things happen. So what are we going to do? Look for all the cards that put minus one, minus one counters on things, and then look for all the cards that care about minus one, minus one counters. Just a very easy deck to build, and a lot of people come to the same conclusion, and those cards all go up. That is a, uh, a good way to think about it, I guess. Have to pay attention, closer attention next time. But I think that's good, a good, good insight and good information on trying to figure out which legendary creature when a new set drops is the legendary creature to pay attention to. Right, yeah. And I think that like for the next set, I'm going to try extra hard to like bring it up on the cast when I notice it. Like, hey, this creature is really different. It will promote people to do this special thing, which could have this impact on these cards. This is what we should buy, and that's why it is. You know, there is a masterpiece out there that spiked slash got bought out that I had no idea went up until this weekend. It wasn't soaring because we talked about that last weekend as that was being bought out while we were recording live. Um, I'll give you a hint. It costs zero. It's a yeah, it's Chalice of the Void. Yeah. Did, when did that go up? Like, uh, does anyone know why? 24 hours after Sol Ring. Okay. I, I have to imagine it's just because they didn't reprint Chalice and people just need them, and it's not that far off of the regular price of, like, a non-foil copy at this point. Without having any insight into what actually occurred, I suspect that somebody basically made a move on Sol Somebody else, maybe even the same person, decided Chalice was the next to go and just went in on that. I remember like seeing something on Reddit where someone was trying to uh, like do a rough guesstimate of how many masterpieces out there, and it was surprisingly low. Um, I think it was it was a, just a very rough number based on how much product is out there, and you can kind of extrapolate how many masterpieces are open. But even if you go and try to increase that number by a egregious amount, there really are not a lot of masterpieces out there. They're pretty rare in today's like day and age. Like if you go around, you go to popular outs like Star City, Channel Fireball. TCG player, like there just aren't a lot of masterpieces out there. I think people are maybe under idea that it's probably easier to just acquire all copies available on the market um, than the, compared to like most things. Like it's it's it like look at rares. Like rares are just so ubiquitous right now. Like what like we haven't seen a rare that's hit more than like like five or six dollars in like the recent era of Magic. So masterpieces are basically like the new mythic and. I think if you, if you want to go out there and just drop like a thousand dollars, you could probably pick up like all copies of almost any masterpiece you want on the market right now. Blackface, let's go. I remember yeah. reading that Reddit post, and we I if we didn't have this conversation on cast, and we had it somewhere because we I was also surprised at that Reddit post by how few copies it looked like there were out in the wild. Sorry, I just wanted to correct Ed real quick. Walking it is unlikely that a rare gets ex that expensive, except if it's colorless. Because we had Walking Ballista, we had Smuggler's Copter, and Hangerback Walker all got very expensive because they were colorless cards. Don't take that shit from Med. 
Uh, that, that's a fair point. That shit if he's wrong. Uh, that's a fair point. They're definitely far more ubiquitous than like, uh, like, like Dark Salvation, right? Realistically, that only seeds play in the zombie deck. Like, those are just so narrow. Like, yeah, they are the breakout cards, but they're just not ubiquitous enough to go up substantially. Aetherworks Marvel kind of suffers from the same problem, um, mainly because energy is such a parasitic mechanic. It's hard for Aetherworks Marvel realistically to see play outside of a Marvel deck, as idiotic as it sounds. Like, I think that's just kind of the nature of cards nowadays. Um, even something like Gideon, like as far as long as it's been the standard and how popular it's been, it really hasn't been more than like twenty to twenty five dollars. It's very true. All right, you guys ready to get him pick of the week? Uh, hold on, let me get one. I'm ready. Okay. I'm actually ready for once. Sure. And Give me just time to have the cold brew seep into his veins. And he's been pondering as spreadsheets go whizzing by. Ed, what's your pick of the week? As crazy as it sounds, I'm going to go with Fatal Push. Like, I know Fatal Push has already seen the jump from, like, 5 or $6 that people were able to get it, like, a month ago to it's pushing $8 now. Um, going forward, I think it has the possibility of being, like, probably 10 to 11 It's less about how much you expect to gain from it. The thing is, it's just so ubiquitous. I know a lot of people... Um, are basically looking at getting like second and third play sets mainly so they don't have to deal with oh i need it in my legacy deck or i need it in my modern deck i'm just going to take out one deck put in the other people realistically do want multiple play sets to this card and we've stopped drafting aether revolt so that that injection into supply is pretty much gone um uh redemption is closed for aether revolt i believe i think i think that happened with the release of amicat a few weeks ago a moto so that influx is pretty much gone. Once people get their final redemption sets, uh, there's just going to be no more fatal pushes. Um, so I think like if you want to get extra sets or if you just want something super, super liquid, super easy to trade away to people, buy fatal pushes. Um, if I were a Grand Prix, like if I was at a Grand Prix this weekend in Montreal, I'd be willing to pay like $8 on any fatal push that comes to me. We just moved through so many. Um, and I, I, I have, I have no problems holding onto that card. People will always need them. It's impossible to keep them on stock online. If you go to TCG Player right now, there's just very, very f- uh, few copies that are through direct, like less than ten dollars on TCG Player. Um, so, I would say get it now. If you need it to play, just get it now. Just get it over with. The only risk you stand to take is if Fatal Push gets printed as an FNM promo, which is a realistic thing. Um, you probably don't want to go crazy holding like. For, like 40 50 copies but if you can ever acquire them in trade or just pick them up on the cheap do so you'll have no trouble getting out of it this strikes me as a sorry about the printer as the new inquisition of Kozlak. i i would be surprised if it wasn't i would say pat the exile is a better example because inquisition didn't really see as much play in legacy and this is seeing a ton of play in bug decks. Like, this was everywhere in our Lotus tournament. So I like it more as a path. Uh, where even... Uh, I, I just think this has a little more casual demand than Inquisition does. So it's something to keep in mind. Uh, Jim, what are you going with? So this is uh, obviously a much more long-term thing, but I think we've kind of seen the bottom of this card. Uh, I, I like Panharmonicon. Um, it's a casual card that could bust out at any time. 
pretty much it's going to be one of those cars that like people are like oh this doesn't see any play in constructed decks why is this so expensive from all the people on twitter that only play standard modern and legacy um it's a card that doesn't see a ton of playing edh right now but as time goes on i think we'll get more and more popular as we they print more and more cards because um creatures now like the best creatures usually end up being creatures that have enter the battlefield effects and panharmonicon just lets you copy those and people like copying shit um and then the other thing is that like Kaladesh is done being drafted and it can't be redeemed on magic online anymore and i don't think that this is a card that they're gonna just slap into any eh deck like it's not old enough or ubiquitous enough in all kinds of decks to be in there yet so it's you know it's possible that even like in a couple of months like one or two months when they print the new commander decks that people decide all of a sudden that they need them and they really might even might not even be that long before you need to or you're able to sell them rather i love panharmonicon but i disagree with you on one point and that's that i think we see panharmonicon several times in the next couple of years it seems very reprintable to me it's not tied to kaladesh at all and it's exactly the type of card that Wizards knows will get out of control if they let it. That said, I think foils are a great pickup. And foils right now are in the $10 range, I think, uh, which is the lowest basically they've been. Um, and those I don't think you can miss on. I own several of those myself, in fact. Yeah, they're actually a little over $10. And there's less than one page on TCG Player. Although somebody has 100 of them at $50 a piece. So good job, that guy. Well, I will concede it is a card that could be reprinted in a commander deck. Like, there's just so many cards that they feel a lot of times that they need to reprint that they just can't get them all. And this is the one that can slip through the cracks. You know, Primal Vigor is a card that looks like they could reprint infinite times in EDH decks, and it's been printed once in four years. Yeah, I don't disagree. I suppose the only thing, the only difference is that Panharmonica is colorless, which makes it a little easier. But I get your point. They can't reprint everything. Travis, what's your pick? Foil Panharmonica. No. <laughs> uh, my pick of the week is Crystalline Crawler from Commander 2016. We've seen a bunch of cards in Commander 2016 already spike recently. Within like the last week and two weeks, uh, like five or six cards have spiked from that set. So they're really ripe for picking at this point. I've been looking at Crystalline Crawler for like several weeks now. And full disclosure, I actually don't own any. I really need to buy some, but I haven't. So you can get me on this one. Um, but it works great in Atraxa, the most played EDH deck, basically, uh, or mo at least most built since EDH rec existed. Brea loves it. Any deck that wants to play doubling season is going to like Crystalline Crawler. Like it has a ton of application. It's really useful. Very chromatic lantern y, possibly with more upside. Um, so I really like that card. It's like three bucks right now. It's going to be between eight and $12. If not within two months, then within a calendar year. My second pick of the week is that when you drink a good beer that's worth drinking, no matter which one it is, make sure that you enjoy the beer. It's not Bud Light. Don't just sip it and swallow it. Get Are you making fun of the great state of Missouri's water? I'm making fun of anything. 
everything and everything, including you. Get a yeah, little yeah. bit of get a little bit of that beer in your mouth and just kind of like hold on to it for a second and kind of swirl it over your tongue. You'll notice different flavors on different parts of your tongue. You'll also notice that the taste changes it, uh, as the beer warms up in your mouth, which is really noticeable if you pull the beer out of the fridge. When you drink beer cold or anything cold, it disguises the flavor. Um, it's harder to taste, which is why all of these like really crummy beers like Labatt and whatever uh market them as like ice cold and freezing cold it's like well yeah they want you to drink it cold so you can't tell that it tastes like piss i don't refrigerate basically any of my beers drink it take a sip 30 seconds hold it in your mouth and you can really start to see the different flavors come out and uh improves the process of drinking it much better also when you drink a good beer they're like well over 10 percent, so it'll get you drunk much less quickly scotch is a far superior beverage well i like bourbon just because I like them a little sweeter, but scotch is fine, I guess. I'm with Ed on this one. I, uh, yeah. Vegas will definitely be a fun time. Also, shout out to Travis. I forgot I had not purchased the Crystalline Crawler yet, so I got the last one from our sponsor, CoolStuffInc.com. Sorry if anyone wanted one. I bought the last one. Wow, what a sellout. The, uh... I mean, it helps that I can, like, go to work and as I'm, like, turning out of the complex i guess that i work at i can go to cool stuff and pick it up and not have to pay for shipping yeah no you're lucky that you live down by there you know i was going to pick like a couple no he's not what (laughs) he's not lucky to live down there (laughs) i was going to pick a couple cards and then they all spiked or went up and i felt real bad about picking them now that they're expensive so i'll just go with an easy one this week um I like Braids of Fire still. I think this still has room to go, grow up. Uh, this is a mono red EDH card. Uh, lately, red has not really been in a lot of, uh, like mono red specifically, hasn't been in a lot of EDH decks. I think if we get a goblin EDH deck at the end of the year and they don't put this in here, uh, we're going to see a lot of demand for this card. Uh, this card is a cumulative upkeep where you add red to your mana pool. So I really like it. I would say Cranko, but that's already grown a bit, and that's just not something I'm necessarily interested in at the moment. I really like your, your logic there. Like this card has an up cumulative upkeep of Adamana, so that's why I like it. Yeah, like, like, there's, like, there's such a leap in logic there that most people cannot follow. <laughs> uh, the the follow being you generate a lot of mana, and it lets you do a lot of things in mono red decks. Sure, sure, I get it. I'm just saying, like when you say that sentence out loud, like who is supposed to understand? Um, another card I like is Magistrate Scepter from Arcadia Masks. Uh, you tap it to add a counter, and then you can tap it to remove three counters and take an extra turn. Uh, this seems real dirty in Atraxa. I don't think people have picked up on it yet. Yeah, I, I looked at it. It's, like, pretty slow. Wait, so, which card? Magistrate Scepter. You you pay you have to pay four mana and tap it to put a, the first counter on it, and then you can proliferate the counter. But what ends up happening a lot of times is the tracks just like get shot down on site, so you really only get to proliferate once or twice, and it's really you really can't rely on that too much. We talked about Magistrate Scepter on Fast Finance at least once or twice. This card has already seen a bit of a price spike at some point. Okay, uh, I don't remember. I, I just I just remember having said those words out loud recently. Yeah. Um. I don't know, like a lot of stuff is more expensive than I thought it was, which uh, is good slash bad for me to sell because our players have a sweet spot unlike where they want to buy cards. 
uh, like food chains, $40. And like a lot of people who play Parash have been looking to pick one up, but they can't justify that cost locally at least. So I just have food chains sitting on the case, just like rotting away. Yeah. There's a lot of cards that are very good in commander. that are reserveless cards that people look at me when I'm trying to like explain to my, my group of friends at work, like, Hey, you should play a time sprawl in your Nikasar deck. And he's like, isn't that like a bazillion dollars? And I look up like, Oh, it's 40. Well, all right, then I see why you're not playing one. Yeah. I also like, um, goblin guide, the reprint, like can't keep those in stock. Uh, and people always seem to need four. And Damnation's finally going back up, too. Uh, there's I picked up, like, 12 Planar Chaos Damnations from the Spy last week, and there's a noticeable price difference between Modern Masters and Planar Chaos. And locally, we are sold out of Modern Masters ones, and online, I've been selling the Planar Chaos ones like crazy. So uh, I think this, especially because I'm not the lowest listing on Planar Chaos ones, like, this shows a real demand. And or Magic players wanting to save on shipping by buying four. I forgot they judged that. Yeah, I've actually got a sealed packet one right here. Um, I actually was able to sell a bunch of these uh, just at the same price as normal. I don't. I guess Ed would be able to tell me if, like, they're more collectible sealed. But I don't really care. It's just about flipping stuff quickly. Like, Foil Kiki Jiki is 150 bucks or whatever, which is obscene. Only the Champions of Kamigawa one for anyone... Yeah. And I got a near moment one, like really so if you need well, one, holler at your boy. Yeah, yeah, but there's like a big price difference between that one printing because it has the only printing with that picture on it. All the other ones use the from the vault picture. Where he's like taking a dump on the card art. He's Something like, this. like that. Yeah, I, he's uh, just like in a different battle pose, man. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for pick of the week. Where can people find you guys? Uh, I'm <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I'm Edwin, uh, Edwin 13 on Twitter. Uh, I'm with Crohn's game store. I am, uh, the manager for the travel team. Uh, you guys can see me this weekend, not this weekend. I'm going to a wedding this weekend. You guys can see me next weekend in Japan at the GP for our listeners. The weekend after that, I'll be in Madison for regionals. Uh, is Vegas a weekend after that? Vegas is two weekends after that. I'll be in Vegas, obviously, and then I'll be in Sydney for our Australia listeners. Um, I'm with the booth. Catch me there. Uh, I posted on Twitter, anyone who wants to see me write, I'm looking into that. I would love to get some feedback on what topics people want to hear about. Uh, That's me. Uh, Shout out to Will. He was at our regionals this past weekend. Uh, He gave some important feedback uh, about the cast. So shout out to him. Cool guy. What was his feedback? Uh, yeah, I was like, did he? Did you share the feedback with us? You're just keeping it for yourself. Uh, I think basically greedy? he said that there are some topics that they don't. He doesn't care about uh, mainly because it doesn't. It's not something that applies to everyone. Um, like I think he said he didn't care to listen to us talk a bunch about GP Vegas because he wasn't going to Vegas. That's kind of understandable. Uh, there were a few other things that was, it was more about like how I present myself, the information I gave, etc. So you guys don't want to hear about that. So you showed up in a TCG t-shirt. That's how you're presenting yourself. This was one of my last few t-shirts I grabbed. I brought a bunch of dirty laundry back to Portland to do it here. Cause I was too lazy to do it back in New York. <laughs> Ed, you're delightful. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. A hundred percent. I spent like an entire weekend with Ed. He was delightful the entire time. Let me tell you. 
Jim, where can people find you? Uh, my name is Jim Casal. You can find me on Twitter at PHROST underscore. You can find me on Modern Nexus every week. You can find me on Gathering Magic every other week. And you can find me at our new Cartel Aristocrats email address, which is cartelaristocrats at gmail.com. If you want to submit a question there, and I remember to open it up while we're casting, we can answer it on air. And I am Travis Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N, on Twitter. I write every Monday for mtgprice.com, and I do MTG Fast Finance um, most Thursdays. And if you like playing Magic, check out Scry.Land. Find Magic in your area. I'm Zemet Sells Magic. You can find me in the great state of Missouri or Montreal slash South America slash Kentucky this weekend. I still have no clue where I'm going. Um, thanks for listening to Cartoon Aristocrats cast number 54. We appreciate it. We appreciate our sponsors and we appreciate the honest feedback. Um, even if, when we keep stuff from each other live on the air. Uh, so of course we'll sign off with a little nugget of wisdom that applies to this cast. Uh, teamwork is important. It helps to put the blame on someone else. Thanks for listening to Cartel Aristocrats cast number 54. Remember to savor your beer and we'll see you guys in Vegas.